Experience the magic of the holidays at the Bull Run Festival of Lights, Northern Virginia's largest drive-thru light show. Drive the festival route from the comfort of your car. Turn off your headlights and just follow the magical glow. Ooh and ah through the winter wonderland where it's always snowing and see the tallest light display yet. Purchase tickets today at BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. That's BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. Northern Virginia's largest drive-thru light show. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Hallelujah. We welcome everybody watching at every campus. We are at capacity at the Aurora campus today. There's no more room. Amen. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith and faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word has given me life. Shout at y'all. I am. Now look at somebody and tell them and say, now act like you know that. Act like you know that. Hallelujah. Amen. Remain standing if you would. One scripture, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. You saw it in the trailer, but we're going to look at it. Isaiah 53. And we're going to go to verse number four. We are doing part five. It's the last part in our series, The Gospel. How many of you have been enjoying this series, The Gospel? Isaiah 53, verse number four. You got it? If you're still flipping, say, give me a second, Bishop. Give me a second. All right. I, okay. Boom. Second. There you go. No. No. Amen. Isaiah 53, verse four. Surely. Now, now evidently, Isaiah is pretty serious about these things because he, he wants you to know surely. It, uh, not perhaps. Not maybe. Not if. He says surely. Shout surely. Surely he has borne or taken our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, spitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the penalty for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, say it with me, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone through his own way. And the Lord has laid on him. Who's the him? Jesus. The iniquity of us all. 
Father, you hear me, and you always hear me, and I thank you that over these next few moments, and as I share this word, Father, that you would customize it, tailor make it for every individual on every campus under the sound of my voice, that as they hear this word, they would realize that uh, their healing is not an issue of if, it's not an issue of if you desire it, but Father, it's something you've already taken care of, it's something that you've already paid for, so I thank you, I'm not talking to a bunch of broken people, I'm talking to a bunch of healed people, and if they're not believers before the end of this worship experience i pray that you would begin to speak to their hearts now holy spirit do what only you can do which is convict the heart that people would come into a knowledge and a relationship with you in jesus name we pray somebody shout hallelujah as you take your seats high five somebody say we are healed we are healed we are healed hallelujah healing is a settled issue with god uh, you never have to wonder what his will is concerning the subject because he makes it clear in his word that healing is something not only that he desires for you, but healing is something that he has already paid for for you. It'd be foolish of you to walk up to somebody that's already paid for something and say, did you want me to have that? Obviously, since you went through all the trouble that you had to go through to pay for it, you must obviously want me to have it. Matter of fact, one of the names of God is Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord my healer somebody say we are healed now the text we just read in Isaiah is very interesting because it is in a sequence in Isaiah called the suffering servant say that the suffering now, 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 now watch this the suffering servant refers to and it foretells the coming of Christ Jesus Christ or God in the flesh now we understand in this series that anytime we say Jesus Christ we are also tantamount to saying the gospel and the gospel is tantamount or equal to saying good news. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So if I get good news, that means I got Jesus Christ, which means I got the gospel. Come on, be a good class. If I, if I got the gospel, that means I got good news, which means I got Jesus Christ. Are you still here? Now, now watch this. The, the tense of the text is very interesting in Isaiah because Isaiah is writing this 500 years before Jesus Christ was ever conceived, before he was ever born of the virgin. Uh, Isaiah is writing this. And it's interesting because look at the verse. He writes it in a past tense. Surely he has born. What is that? Past tense. He was smitten by God and afflicted. What's that? Past tense. But he was wounded past tense he was bruised past tense and by his stripes we are healed now all of that is past tense now here's the problem we have how does Isaiah speak in a past tense about something that's supposed to occur in the future okay maybe you don't understand the magnanimity of that question because it'd be very short-sighted of Isaiah to speak about something without having some kind of evidence that what he's foretelling he can speak about it in a past tense. Yeah, okay, let, let me talk to this side. Too. Uh, Isaiah is talking about things that he hasn't seen, that he has not witnessed, yet he's so confident in what he's been told by God that he speaks about those things as if they already happened. Oh, God. Touch your neighbor say it already happened, already happened, already happened. Watch this. In God's infinite and omniscient wisdom, God is such that he fixed every problem you would ever encounter before your problem even had a name. 
God's wisdom and his omniscience, omni, to know uh, uh, all things, shient, to, uh, which means consciousness, he's all consciousness, he knows all things in his omniscient wisdom. God says, before you even know what a problem is, I'm going to provide the solution for your problem, which means anything you're facing today, God is not trying to come up with a solution. Baby, I'm here to tell you, he came up with the solution 2,000 years ago to somebody say, we are healed. Now, 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 watch this, watch this. That means this. Revelation 13, 8 says this, that all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Now, now check this out. That means before God ever framed the world, he had already made a decision that he was going to put himself in an earth suit or a body and call himself Jesus Christ and pay the price for your sin. Now, now check this out. If before there was a world, he made that decision, that tells me that before you were a sinner, you had a savior. Before you ever knew you were lost, you were found. Okay, can, can I take it another further? Uh, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has prepaid for your healing. A lot of prepaid stuff today. You can get all kind of prepaid stuff today. You can get prepaid this and prepaid that. But I'm here to tell you the best kind of prepaid thing is healing. Touch your neighbor and say, we are healed. Now, now watch this. That means you were healed before you were ever hurt. You were whole before you were ever wounded. Baby, you were all right before you were ever abused because Jesus prepaid for your healing. Now, notice, notice in that scripture, it's past tense until it gets to the phrase, we are healed. All of a sudden, he switches from past tense and comes into a present tense. Now, that's very interesting because it would make it seem paradoxical in nature that he is going back and forth between tenses as if Isaiah is not cognizant of the time that he's in. Not at all. What Isaiah is saying is Jesus has already paid the price for that, but now you got to do something in the present to see what was already paid for in the past manifest. Okay, let me see if I can let, let me see if I can say that uh, uh, another way. Uh, while healing was settled by Jesus, it requires corresponding action on your part in the now. Okay, say we are healed. Now, now watch this. Healing requires agreement. Now, 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 now watch this. Healing requires agreement. Healing is what I agree with and what I choose not to agree with. Now, let me let me make it like this here. I agree with the gospel that says my healing has been paid for. But I disagree with my problem that says contrary to what the gospel says. Okay, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me say it another further. I disagree with anything contrary to what God says I am and contrary to what God says I can have. So, so now if you want to sit up and hate on somebody because they got prepaid healing, that's on you. But I refuse to agree with anything that tells me contrary to what the word says. Okay, so let's get it. I agree with the gospel. I disagree with my problem. Now, Bishop, why is agreement so important? I'll tell you why it's important because Matthew 18, 19 says, where two or three touch agreeing anything is going to be done for them. Now, you normally think that means just good stuff. But let me get me somebody to pray with me so we can have agreement. No, no, no. It works both ways. Well, watch this. When you start agreeing with bad information and with a report that says you're not healed and you got issues, when you agree with that, what you're doing is you're giving it a right to remain in your life. 
That's why you got to be careful when you get issues who you pick up the phone and call. Because sometimes the, phone, the person that's on the other end of the line, you're trying to get them to agree with your problem. That's why you still have it. Because two or three have touched and agreed on that thing. Therefore, whatever they agreed on, even if it's negative, is going to be done for them. Okay, so, 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 so now watch this. But if I come into agreement with God's word, his word is going to be done for me. Okay, so touch somebody and say, we are healed. Look, look at the other person. Look them square in the eye and say, we are healed. Now, now, when you become a believer, and if you're not before the end of this worship experience, you will be one. You get prepaid healing in four areas of your life. Prepaid healing in four areas of your life. And they actually do what they say they're going to do. Number one, we are healed emotionally. Emotionally. Now, now, uh, most people don't think in terms of emotional healing when they think about Christ because there's been a gospel that's been expostulated throughout the years that suggests that uh, uh, God wants us to be messed up and jacked up, but, you know, but one day we're going to get out of here and everything's going to be okay. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is here, which means I'm not waiting and living a miserable life here so I can die so I can get over there. I'm bringing over there down here so I can live a great life here. Which means I'm not waiting to die before I start living. That's foolish. I, I'm just going to start living now. See, some of you were taught, oh, baby, you just got to be messed up and jacked up and have problems. But one day in the sweet by and by, and that, I'm here to tell you the sweet by and by is here and now. I come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. I'm not trying to die. Touch your neighbor say, live, baby, live, 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 live. And, and let me say this. Can I throw this in here? Can I throw this in here? Can I throw, avoiding death is not living. Okay. All right. You, you, your neighbor will get that on the way out in the parking lot. Now look at Isaiah 53.4. Look what it says. Surely he has borne or taken our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we have seen him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now, you remember this nursery rhyme. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but that biggest lie I ever heard. Well, I wrote that as a lie. See, in the country, you don't call folk liars. You call them a lie. The truth of the matter is, is that many people are still bleeding from the inequity of words that were spoken to them and over them by people that they were looking to for affirmation and confirmation and for confidence. And so uh, many times you get cut, you put some new spawn on that thing, you're going to be good. But some of you are still carrying words that somebody 15 years ago spoke to you. And every time you get ready to do something, in your mind pops what they said to you. And now you begin to doubt yourself and you begin to doubt your God because somebody told you you weren't going to be this. And somebody told you nothing was going to work out for you. And so, But I'm here to tell you, Jesus says, I have borne and taken all of that foolishness away from you. Which means i got to ask the question, if he's carried them away, what in the world am I doing with grief? What in the world am I doing with sorrow? What in the world? What am I doing with regret? If he took it away, like the Bible says, what in the world are you doing with it? I tell you what you're doing it. You have illegal possession of stuff that belongs to God. You holding on to regret. God says, "Give me that. That's my. I, I I paid the price for that. If he did everything that Mel Gibson says he did, which he did, I'm here to tell you that if you got grief and regret and sorrow, it's only because you want it." 
can I, can, I, can I give you a little more than I did the last experience? Because here's the truth of the matter. Some people like being emotionally jacked up because they can justify not treating other folk right. Okay, I can't get nobody to say nothing. Let me leave that. <laughs> but now remember, healing requires what? Agreement. So here, here's what happens. When you, when you feel grief and sorrow and regret and shoulda, woulda, coulda, and this and that and all that, you got to say to that stuff, I don't agree with you. I agree with the word that says, this has been paid for already. That's why the scripture says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Which means I'm not walking around with any emotional wounds because I've been healed from that. Now, now you remember, you remember tug of war? You remember, you remember playing tug of war? Uh, on this side, it was some folk. In the middle, on the rope, there was a flag or depending on what YMCA you went to, it might have been somebody's T-shirt. <laughs> some papers or something that you put, you know. You had to be careful them papers because you, you, you're one in the front. You beat and slid down. And, and then you had some folk on this side. Y- y'all remember the game, right? Y'all remember the game? You remember the game? You remember the game? No, no, no. Watch this. Watch this. Uh, this is your sorrow, your grief, your regret, all of your emotional baggage. And guess what? Everybody's got some emotional baggage. Why? Because it makes us feel good. You say, but listen, no, it doesn't because I, I really don't want it. But if you didn't want it, you'd get rid of it. See, if you keep a problem longer than a day, that's because you want it. Okay? Okay? So, so, they did this to me, Bishop. They lied to me. They told me they loved me. They told me we're going to be together forever. They told me they were going to be the sun, the moon, the rain, the stars, everything, and more. And I didn't get nothing but a red lobster $15 discount meal. They betrayed me. They, they, they hurt me. They lied on me. They told me I was this. They told me I was that. I was broken from that. That's what's on this side of the road. On this side is you. Now, now here's the deal. What, what, touch your neighbor and say, this is for you. If you don't remember nothing else I say today, remember this right here. Right here, that is a southern colloquialism that means right here. Remember this, right here. All of that, Jesus says, I've taken care of. I've paid the price for it. It's not yours. So here's when you stop struggling with emotional baggage. Let go of the rope. No, no, it's just that simple. Just let go of the rope. Stop playing our song. Evidently, it wasn't y'all's song. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Stop driving by their house. Baby, listen, you got to move on. Stop talking about, well, I trusted somebody and they did me like that. No, 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 no. That is over and done with. It's a brand new day. God says, I've paid for all of that emotional stuff. Let go of the rope. Tell somebody, say, let that rope go. Let that rope go. You are wounded emotionally only as long as you want to be. So say this. Say, Lord, I choose to accept emotional healing. Now, if you walked in here with some emotional baggage, I don't know why you're not shouting. Oh, because you're scared of your neighbors, so you still got baggage. I just need about 14 real folk 
that will say, I walked up in here with some emotional baggage, but I'm not leaving this place with that baggage because that baggage has been paid for. Thank you, all 14 of you. Second way you're healed, prepaid healing, spiritual healing. Spiritual healing. Now, 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 now watch this. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement or the price for our peace was upon him. Now check this out. There are three kinds of sin in the scripture. The first is sin, which is an archery term, which means to miss the mark. That's making mistakes. The second kind of sin we see here in Isaiah 53, it's transgression. It's to willfully deviate from what you know to be right. Don't mess with this tree, Adam. Adam messing with the tree. That's transgression. Let me make it a little bit more granular so that your neighbor gets it. Don't eat no more of them cookies. You got chocolate all over your mouth. Okay, you got that. Okay. That's transgression. Now, then from transgression, you have iniquity. Iniquity is generational sin or patterns or behaviors that are negative that are passed down from generation to generation. Notice the word used in Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Well, what does that mean? God says, I'm so good, I even paid for the stuff you knew you were doing wrong. And you can take your halo off because you're around good company. Everybody in this place, everybody at every campus, you knew to go right, but you called yourself grown and turned left. And you made a mess out of it. But Jesus says, I'm so much God, I'll even pay for the stuff you knew you was doing. You didn't get tricked, Eve. You walked right up in there. You knew exactly what was finna to go down. Which means this, Jesus says, I have paid the price for every sin in the past, every sin in the present, and every sin that shall arise in the future. Jesus has paid that price. But now watch this, I got to say this because many times believers get a misunderstanding, perhaps they get even befuddled about what that means because sometimes people think forgiveness means restoration. Let me say it another way. Sometimes people think forgiveness means fellowship. Watch this. Watch this. Let me give you a pragmatic example. If you rob a bank and you say, Lord, forgive me, he's going to forgive you. But let me just help you understand something. You're going to jail. You can't tell the sheriff, but if the Lord forgave me, and they're going to say, good, but then you're going to be forgiven right here in this cell. Be forgiven in there. While he pays the price for our sin, which is death, wages of sin is death, he does not deal with the consequences of our actions. For every action, there is a reaction. Let me give you something else. If, if you don't treat your spouse right, they can forgive you. Bishop, she got to forgive me. Bishop, he got to forgive me. Cool. But they still may leave you. And you can, but you're supposed to forgive me. I did. And I'm going to love you from over there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So many times believers think forgiveness means that things go back to the way they were. That's not always true. If you murder somebody, God, yes, he can forgive you. I don't care what you've done. He can and will forgive you. But there have got to be consequences for your actions. Because I just want to say that so that people don't think, well, the Lord's forgiven me. I, you know, no, that's great. Praise his name. Shout Hallelujah. 
but there's still a consequence for the action. But God's mercy is so awesome that there are some situations he said, there should be a consequence here. You ought to be dead. You should be locked up. You should. See, they, I thank God for his grace and mercy. See, because grace gives me what I don't deserve, but mercy protects me from what I do deserve. There's some stuff you got yourself into where you deserve death, but his mercy stepped in and it blocked what should have been coming your way. Somebody shall thank you. Because truth be told, there's some consequences you've never paid. That's called mercy. <laughs> now, now, not only that, look, 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 look there. He was 53.5, wounded for our willful deviation, bruised for our generational stuff, and the penalty for our peace was upon him. Here's what that means. He paid for our peace. Now, now check this out. The word peace in Hebrew, you know this means what? Shalom. Shalom is not just peace. Shalom is nothing is missing, nothing is lacking, nothing is broken, all is well. Here's my question to your neighbor. Why do they keep thinking they're missing something? Why do they feel like there's something missing in their life? I'll tell you why. Because somebody then sat up and preached a crazy gospel to them to tell them something's missing. But my Bible tells me that he's already paid the penalty for me to have nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. Which means you may not have what you want, but you still got shalom. And maybe it's his mercy and grace that's protecting you from what you think you can handle because he knows you can't quite handle it right now. So he says, baby, I got it on the way. I did. He's paid for your shalom. He paid. So, see, people can tell you all day long, oh, you just got to, oh, just live miserable. You, you can do that. You, you, you understand? But don't, don't you hate on me because I choose to believe the gospel. Nothing missing. Now, here's the thing. I said this the other day. You may not have something, but it doesn't mean it's missing. See, anytime you feel like something's missing, it's because because there's a misunderstanding of something here. Bishop, I'd be so happy if I had somebody. No, you wouldn't because you ain't happy by yourself. You, what you'd do is you'd leech all the life out of them and make them miserable too. Okay, I can't get over Bishop, if I, if I had this kind of job, I'd know I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't because you can't be happy where you're at. You, you're not hearing what I'm saying. If, if you can't be happy where you're at, then God said, what's going to make you happy over here? He paid so nothing would be missing, nothing would be lacking, nothing would be broken, and all is well. Even when trouble's going on in your life, that's why the scripture says he'll give you peace that surpasses all understanding. Because you can have hell going on around you and somebody asks you how you're doing. Great. And I'm not even speaking that by faith. It's the truth. I'm not even phased by what's going on around me. The bottom could be falling out of your life. If somebody says, how are you holding up? How I'm holding up? I'm doing wonderful. Do you know that when I'm down to nothing, that means God is up to something? He paid the price. Glory to God. Third place you're healed. Physically. Physically. Now, you are a spirit that has a soul which is your mind, thoughts, will, emotion, intellect, that lives in a physical body. 
Now, most times when we talk about healing, that is what people immediately think about is they think about physical healing. Isaiah 53, 5, the B part of the verse says, and by his stripes, say it with me, we are healed. Now, stripes there means when they were beating Jesus, and they beat him with the cat of nine tails, and the Bible says that he was beaten beyond recognition as a human being. When they beat him, every time they struck him, they didn't know that they were doing something for us. Every time they beat him, they thought they were hurting him. What they did not realize is every time they beat him, I got a jolt of healing. I was somebody that could hear what I was saying. Every time they struck him, he said, there's another one here. There's AIDS here. There's cancer here. There's diabetes here. Every time they struck him, he was healing something. And by his stripes, we are not getting ready to be, are not trying to be, but we are healed. Now, 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 look at this. Look at this. Uh, sickness, physical sickness. Now, I'm not talking about colds and, you know, stuff like that. Okay? Severe sickness, severe physical sickness can occur primarily for three reasons. First reason is for God's glory. Now, you said, Bishop, what do you mean for God's glory? That's an oxymoron. How, how would God get glory? Out of somebody being sick. Well, in John 9 and 2, there was a man <clears throat> that was blind from birth. And the disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this, this, this man or his parents, that he should be blind from birth? And Jesus answers with an astounding no. He said, neither one of them sinned, but I allowed this so that my glory could be revealed or I could work my great works among him. Which means some sickness is not because you did anything. Some sickness is because God's saying, I'm going to use this to show everybody around you, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that can heal. That's what Christian suffering is about. Christian suffering is not staying in a bad situation you can get out of. Christian suffering is about when God lets something happen to you, you don't have the ability to control. John 9 and 2, he, he, says, he says, so my glory could be revealed. But the second reason, that, that severe sickness can occur is as a result of disobedience. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 uh, talks very demonstratively about how there would be penalty for disobeying God, and, and part of that would be physical sickness that typically was incurable or that it, it was not uh, something that they were able to treat. And so uh, many times sickness can occur because of disobedience, because a breach occurs. It's not that God says, I'm going to give you this to get you. No, no, no. It's that my disobedience takes me from up under his protection. And when I get from up under his protection, now whatever's raining is going to hit me rather than what was covering me. But then the third reason that severe sickness can occur uh, is, is, is as a result of poor choices. Proverbs 26.2 says that there is not a curse without a cause. But so what do you mean poor choices? How can someone get sick from poor choices? Well, let me give you a very pragmatic example. Uh, there are some illnesses that aren't the devil. There are some illnesses that are bad diet. Now, I know we get them mixed up because they both start with D. Okay, there's some stuff that's the devil is talking about it. No, you just eat too much sugar. Okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing. The devil's attacking my body. No, you got too much sodium. I know you think you need salt and pepper on everything. <laughs> but in Denver, y'all don't do that no how. Y'all don't put season on nothing. Y'all just, you just cook and put it out. 
So you shouldn't have sodium. <laughs> I'm joking. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's a result of poor choices. There's certain things that can come that are just a result of poor choices. Now, look at this, though. Regardless of what reason it's there, I'm telling you why it's there, so if there's a breach, you can repair it. Got it? Because some people, I cast the devil out, and he didn't leave. Because if he didn't put it there, then he can't go nowhere. But I look at James chapter 5. I want you to see this. I want you to see how to get physical healing in your body. It's not an issue with this. God will me heal. That's not the issue. He already answered that question. Yes. Does God want me to have this? No. <laughs> okay? But look at James chapter 5. I want you to see this. Am I helping anybody? Look at verse 14. He says, is anybody among you sick? That's a wonderful question. Look what he tells them to do. Let them call for the heirs of the church, elders of the church, and let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Notice what it doesn't say. Let them pray at their house because they don't want to come down in the prayer part of the line because they don't want nobody to know they're getting prayer. Okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing. That's fine. Preach, Bishop. All right. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. So, so here's how physical healing manifests in your body. Watch this. When sickness shows up, your first thing you got to do is say, I don't agree with this. When the doctor says, oh, it's not good, you say, Doc, listen, that's great. I don't agree with nothing you just said. Well, I'm just telling you, you just tell yourself, because I, I don't agree with none of that. No, we're not saying be ignorant to, to, to medical things. No, God gave us doctors and nurses and all the rest to help. But, but when they come in with a negative report, you've got to tell them, uh, I just did not receive nothing you just said to me. Because the moment you say, the moment you start getting in agreement with it, then it's going to get a stronghold on you. If you've got a family member and they say, oh, I just got this, just said, mm, I don't agree with that. Let me, let me give you some country vernacular to deal with them. <laughs> now, after I, I, I refuse to agree with it, I choose to agree with the word, which means every day I go to Isaiah 53 and I speak that into my life. That he was wounded, he was bruised, chastised. Oh, I speak that every day. Now, after that, I got to get prayer. In the context, he says, get prayer. You can't fix this problem at your house. You can't get your own vat of Crisco and anoint yourself. He tells you how to do it right here. Got it? And then, lastly, I repair the breach if there is one. So if this sickness is a result of poor choices, I stop making the poor choices that got me sick. Okay? So if you got a Krispy Kreme addiction that's messing with you, stop going to Krispy Kremes. You follow what I'm saying? Okay. I repaired a breach because physical healing has been what? Paid for in full already. Now, if you got physical issues going on in your body, or you know somebody, just say, Lord, Lord in the name of Jesus, name of Jesus I, receive I receive the physical healing, the physical healing you've already paid for. Already paid. In Jesus' name, in Jesus. shout hallelujah. Fourth area and final area that healing has been paid for for us is generationally. I love God because God is a generational God. God, God is a God that likes doing things that outlast us. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's, he's a generational God, which means this. As believers, 
There are seven major covenants of scripture. We are partakers of the renewed covenant. The fourth of those covenants, the Abrahamic covenant. You've heard of Abraham, right? You know Abraham. In Genesis 12, God makes a very big and bold and audacious statement to Abram. Uh, his name was not yet Abraham. It was changed later on. He says this. He says, Abram, I'm ready to do something brand new with you that I could not do with the generation before you. And he says, Abram, I'm going to bless you so that you could be the blessing. What is the blessing? It's an empowerment to prosper, do well, or be made whole. He says, I'm going to empower you so that you can be an empowerment to other people. I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. He says, I'm going to make your name great. He says, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then he says, he, then he says to him, and anyone that curses you, you ain't got to worry about getting even with him. You ain't got to worry about tweeting to get the truth out. And you ain't worried about, no, God says, anybody that messes with you, Abraham, they do not understand they're messing with me. So anybody that curses you, I'll curse them. That's the promise in Genesis chapter 12. Now, what's interesting about Abram uh, is that at that particular time, uh, not so much before that, his father, Terah, T-E-R-A-H, had just died. Now, this is interesting because my question is, why didn't God go to Terah and say, Terah, I want to do something great with you? The answer is found in his name. Terah's name means wild animal. You got folk in your family that you know that are wild animals. I, okay, y'all want to look bougie. Okay, let me. Everybody got somebody in their family that when they come in town for the family reunion and somebody corners you at the mall, you don't want to tell them that you're related to it. This is Bob. You don't want to tell them that Bob is your cousin from Arkadelphia, Arkansas. Everybody got one family. It's okay. You're amongst good company. We all drinking the same Kool-Aid. Everybody in their family's got somebody that's a wild animal, a terror, T-E-R-H. But not only does his name mean wild animal, his name means loiterer. Now, now check this out. If you go to a 7-Eleven or, or places like these, you, you sometimes will see on the front of the building they'll have a sign saying no loitering. Well, what, what is loitering? Loitering is standing outside watching everybody else do what you should be there for. <laughs> okay, okay. Loiterers are people that are always talking about what they're getting ready to do, yet they never seem to do anything. They're always talking about, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. But they never seem to do nothing because they sit back and watch and criticize everybody else that's willing to take steps, yet they're not willing to take any steps themselves. So God says, I can't use terror because he's a hater, and I cannot bless haters because... Let me translate. Hater... Uh, is an urban colloquialism that means someone that doesn't want to see you do well. You, you, you know some folk like that. They, they don't want to see you do well. And they don't even have a reason or a rhyme for why they don't want to see you do well. They just don't want to see you do well. It's funny because they want to see your friend do well. They just don't want to see you do well. So they loiter. They stand around looking at everybody else, criticizing everybody else, but they're not willing to do anything themselves. So God says, Tara, I can't do nothing with you. But with Abraham, I'm ready to start something fresh. Well, what's this? You are the Abraham of your bloodline. 
God says, there's stuff I couldn't do with your mama and your grandmama and your, your great-grandmama. I couldn't do it with your father and your grandfather. But God says, I have chosen you for such a time as this to be the curse breaker. Everything they did not do, you're going to walk in. Everything that they did not break in terms of a curse, you'll break it. Said, I'm the curse breaker. Now, <laughs> now. Now, here's what I hear somebody saying. I hear somebody saying, but Bishop, it's just too late. I, I've lived too much in my life. I can I tell you, it's not too late. In Genesis 12, God didn't even start uh, talking to Abraham until he was 75. So evidently, it's never too late. Look at somebody says, it's never too late. And now I hear a young person saying, well, but Bishop, I'm too young. I'm just a kid. I can't do nothing. No, you're not. That's, that's foolishness. Josiah was eight when he became king and when his father was assassinated. And he's one of the few kings that's in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So I'm here to tell you, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how tall you are, how short you are, how, how whatever you are. I'm here to tell you, God has chosen you to be the healing in your bloodline. That's why you couldn't even fit in with certain folk in your bloodline. Because God says, I I chose you to deliver them. You are the Joseph that you you are the healing in your bloodline. That's why sometimes God will put burdens on you to deal with stuff, and you're trying to say this ain't even my problem. Because God says to you, you are the healing in your bloodline. I've paid the price for your generational healing, but I need somebody that's willing to be an Abraham. And step out and walk into places they've not seen before. In Genesis 12, God says, Abram, go. I want you to go here. Abram had never been there. Uh, God, how am I going to get there? You'll know you're there because I'll tell you. He had to take some big, bold steps. And that's what God is saying to you. There are some big steps in front of you. saying, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can do that. Nobody in my family's done that. Duh. Duh. That's the reason he chose you. Because there is no point of reference in your bloodline for it. But you're the trailblazer. You're the pioneer. Don't you grow weary in well-doing. Because in due season, you'll reap a harvest if you faint not. High five somebody say, we are here. We are here. Everybody stand on your feet at every campus. Hallelujah. So, 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 so we're healed. What's the first way? Emotionally. No more baggage. No, no more, they did this to me, they did that to me. No, you're healed from that. Let that rope go. Stop the struggle. But then you're healed spiritually. Your sin's been paid for. Now, just think about this. Just chew on this for a moment. If Hebrews 8 says he chooses to forgive and forget your sin, what are you doing remembering it? Amen. The only way God knows anything negative about you is you got to tell him. Isn't that something? When he looks at you, he sees utter perfection. He sees the blood covering you just the way you are. Don't let nobody tell you if you were more this, if you were more this, if you were more skinny, if you were more juicy, if you were more this, if you were more tall, if you were more black, if you were more light. If you're... No, 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 no. When he looks at me, he sees utter perfection. Because he sees blood covering me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. But then I'm healed physically. Sickness doesn't have a right to be in my body. 
And then I'm healed generationally. I'm not living my life for this generation. I'm living for three and four generations after me. To where my children's 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 children will be able to say, my great, great, great granddaddy was a great man because he left me an inheritance. He left me some stuff, not just spiritual stuff, but some physical stuff. He left us some love and he left us some joy and he taught us the ways of the Lord. I'm not living for one generation. I'm living for at least four after me. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.